praise God, praise God, hallelujah. Thank you for making time today. Thank you for joining us on Richmond Owusu Ministries. Our mission and our vision is to reintroduce Jesus Christ to this generation. Equip the believer to know who he is in Christ, what he has in Christ, and what Christ can do through him. You know, so we are bringing you once again the gospel of sonship the gospel of sonship the gospel of sonship yesterday i hope you were blessed i hope you guys were blessed yesterday because it was a very great message we looked at sonship and today is going to be another wonderful time bless you edmund bless you for for joining i hope you guys were blessed yesterday yes the gospel of sonship day two and today is going to be interesting it's going to be interesting just share the video with somebody share the video with somebody because i believe that god is going to speak to us through his word god is going to speak to us through his word so it is very important that jesus said this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached this gospel specific this gospel of the kingdom so that is all we are doing we are just preaching about the the, the, the finished work of christ we are preaching because I personally believe that until until the gospel is preached, you know, I always say that the salvation of people lies in the hands of believers. Even though Christ has died for them, we also have a major role to play. When we preach the gospel and men receive the gospel and believe it, the resultant effect is that they are saved. So it is very, very important that we, we talk more about that. So that is what we are doing this week. Yesterday was great. Today is going to be another level. So the gospel of sonship, 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 sonship. Just share the video with somebody. Invite somebody to join. Invite somebody to join. And it's going to be a great time today. It's going to be a great time today. Yes. So we looked at sonship. We, we, we started, we gave an, an introduction yesterday. <clears throat> and... Today, I feel led to talk about <clears throat> the difference between covenant and relationship. The difference between covenant and relationship. Because these are words that accompany sonship. You can talk about sonship and, you know, people must understand. Am I really in a covenant with God or am I in a relationship with God? So, I felt led to talk about that today. Yes. So share the video, share the video with somebody, share the video with somebody, let somebody be blessed as well today, let somebody be blessed. The gospel of sonship, the gospel of sonship, sonship is a gospel and sonship is a message and when, when the message is preached and people believe and they believe in the message, then they automatically become sons because that is God's goal god's goal is not only for us to you know make heaven god's goal was not for jesus only to you know die and you know save us from our sins because we said yesterday that before jesus christ went to the cross he forgave people their sins so that stands to reason bless you isaac bless you bless you bless you bless you bless you you guys are doing great the lord bless you for joining share the video with somebody so we said uh, Jesus forgave people their sins before he even went to the cross. 
So that stands to reason that the forgiveness of sins was not only the reason why Jesus died. Jesus died, you know, that the Bible says in the book of, of Hebrews that there are, there are better things that accompany salvation. There are things that accompany salvation. So one of the essential reasons why Jesus had to go to the cross, die, be buried and resurrect from the dead was for the purpose of sonship. For the purpose of sonship because god wants to raise sons god wants to raise sons praise god god wants to raise sons and so we said yesterday that god is the creator of everybody but god does not father everybody and we said that no christ no sonship no christ no sonship for you to be a son of god you have to be in christ because sonship is in christ jesus praise god so that is you know i'm just trying to give a recap of what we did yesterday and we define the gospel in first corinthians 15 verse 1 to 4. that is the definition of the new the gospel of the new testament so apostle paul said moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preach unto you which also you have received wherein you stand so paul said when i preach the gospel unto you you receive the gospel you believed in it and you stand in that gospel that means that when a man receives the gospel no matter the storm or the wind of doctrine that blows that man can still stand no matter the wind of doctrine you know that because the bible wants us to be careful of you know diverse kinds of doctrines but when you have authentically received the gospel of jesus christ you stand so the gospel gives you a foundation you are able to stand no matter the storm or the wind of doctrine that blows then he goes on to say by which ye are also saved so the gospel in it lies the salvation of men so apostle paul in romans 1 16 said i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ for the gospel is the power of god unto salvation so we said that yesterday that the gospel has the power to save men and he said if you keep in memory what i preach unto you unless you have believed in vain that means a man can have a vain faith he said unless you have believed in vain meaning a man can have a vain faith a man can believe in vain when the message that is preached is not you know it's not uh it's not on the platform of the finished work of christ he said unless you have believed in vain but i know you will not believe in vain because you receive the gospel praise god so it is very important then he defines the gospel in verse 3 so for i delivered first of all unto you that which i also received how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to scriptures now the word according to scriptures means in line with what is written praise god that means the resurrection of jesus christ was in line with the scriptures because the scriptures has already written about the resurrection of jesus christ so that is the gospel that is the gospel the gospel is about the death the burial the resurrection of jesus jesus christ and his finished work that is the gospel so we defined the gospel yesterday and 
we also looked at the fatherhood of God. We said that nobody could call God father in the Old Testament because God, you know, God, the, 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 Jesus Christ had not yet died. So in the Old Testament, nobody could call God father. They didn't have that father-son relationship with God because it was only Jesus Christ who introduced the fatherhood of God. And when you take notice of the scriptures and you are you study the scriptures very well you will begin to realize that anytime jesus christ was praying to god he's calling god father he called god father because the bible called jesus the only begotten son of god praise god and so we look at the fatherhood of god we said even before jesus went to the cross none of the disciples you know could call god father they couldn't call god father but on the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus said to the women at the tomb, he said, go and tell your, uh, the other disciples that I go to my father and your father. The fatherhood of God was introduced because why? Jesus has, di has died and he has resurrected from the dead and now he has raised sons. Praise God, he has raised sons. So, you know, these are things that makes the gospel beautiful. When you understand the ingredient in the gospel, it makes it, you know, interesting to 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 study more about the the gospel then we also talked about the fact that the jesus of nazareth is not the same as the jesus who resurrected we said the jesus of nazareth i mean after his resurrection he there was a change of status jesus changed status he changed you know there was a change a complete change because we said before he went to the cross he was the only begotten son and after his resurrection, he became the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I like how the New Living Translation and the NIV put it. He became the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, which means there are other sons in the kingdom. So these are things that we looked at and we said that the Jesus of Nazareth could do many miracles minus one. He couldn't produce himself in people. He couldn't produce sons. But after his resurrection, Jesus Christ produced sons. And we looked at the scripture in John 12, 24. Jesus Christ, you know, all the, the parables of Jesus were pointing to him. All the parables of Jesus Christ were relating to him. The parables that Jesus Christ was giving were pointing to what either he will be doing or after his resurrection. So, for example, when Jesus talked about the parable of the ten virgins, he was referring to the people that, you know, I have come and there are some of you that will believe me, there are some that will not believe me. He was, so, so he gave an example about the parable of the ten virgins. So everything that Jesus was speaking, parables were concerning him. He was talking about himself. So in John 12, 24, Jesus said, Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and die, it remains alone or it abides alone. But when it goes to the ground and dies, it brings forth more fruit. He was referring to himself that a time is coming that i'm going to go and die and until i go to the ground and die and resurrect there cannot be sons so when i die and i come back there will be reproduction of sons i will manufacture sons i'll go into mass manufacture i'm going to reproduce myself in people praise god 
this is good so we said jesus was the prototype jesus is a prototype what a prototype means is that a prototype is a sample a prototype is is a model and we give an illustration that when a toyota company manufactures a car they bring a model or a sample to see if it it has or it gains public acceptance if the public likes the car then they go into mass manufacture so jesus became a prototype as a son so whatever is in jesus christ is in the believer so jesus is the prototype so in fact jesus is the prototype which means that everything that belongs to jesus belongs to us as sons of god whatever is in jesus christ is in the son of god bless you bless you everybody for joining i'm seeing uh, isaac i'm seeing kwabina i'm seeing robert i'm seeing gifty michael bless you all of you bless all of you so i'm just giving a recap of what we learned yesterday what we learned yesterday so it is very important jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters he's the firstborn in the old testament they were servants they were servants as in they didn't have like a relationship with god they didn't have a personal relationship like we have in the new testament you know so we looked about all we look at all these things we looked about we looked at galatians 4 5 where the bible talks about the fact that we have we have received the spirit of adoption and now we cry abba father and we said jesus cried my god my god so that we will cry abba father that is talking about intimacy that is talking about relationship praise god so these are things that we 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 looked at yesterday and and we said that being a son is not a feeling you must know that you are a son of god by your connection to new birth you know there are two words that you know usually define sonship there is regeneration that is born again and we said when a man's spirit is regenerated the man automatically becomes a son so when we talk about being a son of god it's not like a process when you are born again you are a son of god then we also looked at the word adoption and we said the word adoption means placement so god places us in the position as sons god places us in a position as sons then we looked at ephesians chapter one where the, the bible was talking about god has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and we look at the word bless we said the word bless means that well spoken of with benefit and with bounty so god spoke well of us before we were created before we were born god spoke well of us and he adopted us unto sons to become sons he adopted so before god created you before you were born from the womb of your mother god has already predestinated you to be a son to conform to the image of his son jesus christ that is sonship so i used to think that sonship is a process you know when you get born again you have to you know it, it, it's something that is instantaneous you become a son by your connection to new birth however when you enter into when you become a son you must grow into sonship you must grow in your sonship as a believer that is the difference that is the maturity that is why we are all sons of god but there are differences some people have grown spiritually because they are able to you know do what it's required of them as sons to enhance their spiritual growth so sonship is instant but you must grow in sonship you must grow into sonship so it is very very important and we said the miracles of jesus does not grow you 
the miracles of Jesus Christ does not grow you. For you to grow in the Lord, you must uh, your knowledge about salvation is what uh, actually grows you. How did I know? How did I know? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul wrote to uh, Timothy, he said, from a, son, uh, from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the Scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. And we said the word wise there is the word sophizo. Sophizo means that you have become skillful. You, are, you know how to handle matters of salvation. You know, and he said, and these are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Then he said, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So these are for the purpose of those who couldn't watch yesterday. Maybe you need to go and watch the video but i'm just giving a recap about what we did yesterday before we talk about what i want what god has laid on my heart today so it is very important that especially we understand what the what god has done you know there are so many believers today they cannot even explain salvation they cannot explain salvation and i wonder we should be able to explain salvation salvation is not a subject for new converts salvation is the message of the scriptures jesus said in john 5 39 he says search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but the scriptures are a testimony of me so salvation is not for new converts if you think salvation is a new if a message for new converts that would be a self-deception because I always tell people that in heaven, there will be people who go for remedial classes in the area of salvation. Because they didn't have adequate knowledge about the salvation Jesus wrote for them. So it is not a message for new creation. No, salvation is the message of Christianity. Salvation is the message of the scriptures. From Genesis to Malachi, even before you talk about Matthew to Revelation, from Genesis to Malachi, everything is about salvation salvation has been the original plan of god salvation is the you know the bible said in the beginning was the word that the word there is referring to the plan of god the mindset of god the logos the reasoning so in the beginning the reasoning of god was salvation through faith in christ jesus so that is the message of the scriptures that is the message it's not don't let anybody lie to you that when you become born again afresh then you have to learn about salvation then the question now is after learning about salvation in a new convert class what then is the message next do we talk about deliverance do we talk about demonology do we talk about what it is salvation through faith in christ jesus praise god so that is what we spoke about yesterday we spoke about that yesterday we looked at ephesians 1 we look about uh, you know a lot of scriptures in the bible but uh, today we want to talk about covenant and relationship as a son of god you know because this message has been on my heart for some time i've been studying about covenant because i have heard a lot of believers i personally used to think that you know that i have a covenant with god but until we study the scriptures very well and understand what it actually means you may think that you have a covenant with god you you have a covenant with god you know but we are talking about sonship so the lord laid on my heart that i should share on sonship 
as relates to covenant and relationship as a son of god are you in a covenant with god or you are in a relationship with god that is very important you know because your understanding your knowledge and your understanding about whether you are in a relationship with god will affect how you know you see god will affect how you approach god because there are a lot of believers today who are who are who are very guilty who are i mean they are, they are living they have guilt every now and then you know and people are also trying to please god by virtue of what they think they can do because they think they are they have a covenant with god and they have to fulfill the terms of the covenant so it is very 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 important so this is a question i'm throwing to all of you all all of you watching you want to let me know what you think are we in a covenant with god or we are in a relationship with god as a son of god share what you think give me a reason why you are saying that <laughs> praise god because we are going to talk about that today are we actually in a covenant with god you know covenant is 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 a term that is usually used i mean most people you hear people saying hey i i i i have met people they would tell you hey i'm not able to do this because i have a covenant with god i don't do this because i have a covenant with god i have a covenant but hey covenant is not just the fact that we are able to mention it easily doesn't mean we need to get a proper understanding about what it means and so that is what we want to do so covenant is is, is is one of the words the solemn words that is used you know and anytime the word covenant is used when god has a covenant god must keep to his covenant god must commit himself to his covenant so anytime god enters a covenant with somebody god you know god cannot break his covenant that he has with anybody and so we are going to look at what i mean the difference actually is the difference actually is and we will look at the new covenant you know so it is very very important so there are so many covenants in the bible there are so many covenants in the bible i mean when you do studies you find out that there were a lot of people who had who went into covenant some went into covenant with people others also went into covenant with god but we have to understand that it is very very important now so what then is a covenant what then is a covenant now a covenant is an oath a covenant is an oath now let me read a scripture in hebrews chapter 6 verse 16 hebrews 6 16 hebrews chapter 6 verse 16 this is good hebrews 6 16 now the bible say for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation to them to them an end of all strife so men verily swear by the greater so anytime a man is entering into a covenant a man must swear by something greater or somebody greater the greater party but you know god is not there is no one greater than god so anytime god enters into a covenant there is nobody that in fact god does not even need to swear in a covenant because he is god you know and nobody is greater than god but for for the purpose of the people that god is dealing with for them to understand the commitment of god god swears by himself praise god god swears by himself in a covenant anytime god enters a covenant with somebody he swears by himself so there are so many you know there are so many covenants in the bible but i want to highlight few of them we have the noahic covenant the covenant that was made between god and noah 
in the book of Genesis. That was the Noahic covenant. That God, the rainbow was the seal. You know, and we also have the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant was the covenant God entered with Abraham. And I'm going to touch on that very soon. And we have the Mosaic covenant or the old covenant. That was the covenant between the children of Israel and God. Then we also had what we call the Davidic covenant. That was a covenant between David and God. And we have the we also the final one that I, I mean i'm not saying these are not the only covenant in the bible there are so many covenants in the bible but these are the major ones I'm, i want to highlight we have the new covenant or the everlasting covenant the new covenant or the everlasting covenant so this we have the noahic covenant we have the abrahamic covenant we have the mosaic covenant or the old covenant we have the davidic covenant we have the everlasting or the new covenant now among all these covenant that i'm mentioning there are two of them that are the most important the two most important among all these covenants is the abrahamic covenant and the new covenant not even the old covenant the abrahamic covenant and the new covenant are the two most important now the question is do you have a covenant with god i want your responses michael says we are in a relationship with god okay so let me get from let me hear from you guys or let me put it this way do you do you have a covenant with god have you entered into any covenant with god because there are, there are some believers who believe they have entered a covenant with god and i don't know how they did that i don't know i mean i don't know i'm here to find out the basis of that covenant but you know the, the so the covenant among all that i've mentioned the abrahamic covenant and the new covenant they are the two most important the two most important now the abrahamic covenant is the new covenant upgraded the abrahamic covenant is the new covenant upgraded now the abrahamic covenant was a photocopy of the new covenant what god wanted to do in the new covenant he entered with abraham as a type and a shadow of what he will come and do that is why yesterday we said that uh that is why yesterday we said that uh, when God took Abraham and Isaac to the Mount of Moriah, it was something that God was teaching Abraham. Well, it was some. Now, when when God said, uh, "Now I know that Abraham, I mean, believes me," it wasn't that God didn't know that Abraham was a faithful man. God didn't know. God is all knowing. But all what was happening on that Mount of Moriah was for the benefit of Abraham because God was seeing the spiritual growth of Abraham. God, it was for the purpose of Abraham. God is all-knowing. He's the omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. So that is very, very important. Now, the, the, uh, so like I'm saying, yeah, Eno says I'm in a relationship with God. It is a committed relationship. Yes so that is very important so that is very very important so the covenant actually is an oath that both parties have to swear and a covenant is something that there are terms in a covenant that you must keep the terms of the covenant you must be able to keep the terms of the covenant and that is why in the old covenant god had a covenant with the people of israel they couldn't keep the terms of the covenant so they broke the covenant and then god had to have a new covenant where that one is not having that covenant with man 
so the new covenant is not a covenant between man and god and i'm going to explain that because man is fallible there is no way man can keep the terms of the covenant that is what happened in the mosaic covenant they broke the covenant they broke the covenant and so they couldn't adhere to the terms of the covenant so that is why the new testament or the new covenant is not breakable because nobody can break the new covenant because it is not a covenant between man and god it is not a covenant between man and god so that is very very important now let me give a brief i mean explanation about the abrahamic covenant now abraham and god were supposed to enter a covenant abraham and god were supposed to enter a covenant and then and what happened what happened was that in those days god told abraham to get some animals for the covenant and in those days what happened was that the animal had to be splitted into two the animal had to be splitted into two okay what uh, you say however some believe you can be in a relationship with god and be in a covenant he is a covenant keeping god we have sung it in church please elaborate yes that is what i'm talking about you know people say covenant keeping god of course god is a covenant keeping god as in he is going to keep his covenant that he has but he's not a covenant keeping god in the sense of you having a covenant with him that is where that is what i want to touch on so he's a covenant keeping god because he's not going to break the covenant but he's not a covenant keeping god as in you have a covenant with him I think I'm, I don't want to go ahead of myself, but I'll get there. I'll get there. I'm going to get there very soon. So it is very important that we understand that. Uh, so God told Abraham that they were going to enter into a covenant. Now, like I said, that covenant was a, was a photocopy of the New Testament, the new covenant. So the covenant was actually going to be between Abraham and God. And the covenant was that God was going to bless Abraham and nation and that was going to give him a land and they were going to enter the promised land and you know a whole lot of things that god told abraham in genesis chapter 15 verse and chapter 16 following when you read all there you have the story about the covenant so there was you know god gave him instructions as to how the covenant was going to go so <clears throat> in those days abraham had to get animals god told abraham to get a heifer and 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 that was an animal and and there were several animals that god told abraham to get and what in those days what, what how the covenant were done was such that the animals were cut into two the animals were cut into two and the blood of the animals was used to create a blood pack so the two parties in the covenant stand in opposing you know directions facing each other and the animals are cut into two and the blood of the animal is used as a blood pad and the animals are put down and they face each other those animals that have been cut into two so that is what happened in genesis 15 for the purpose of time i may not be able to read everything but you can check the story out so when when god told abraham abraham did all that god had done and when the, when they create the blood path both parties have to pass into the blood path both parties have to walk in the blood path signifying that i mean they are going to keep the terms of the covenant 
so both parties have to work in the blood part abraham did what god told him to do and you know so abraham was waiting actually was waiting for god to come and then they will continue with the covenant this is in the bible in genesis chapter 15 you know and genesis 15 when you read genesis 15 16 17 you'll get a, a clear picture of what i'm saying so what happened was that abraham actually fell into a deep sleep while he was waiting for god Abraham fell into a deep sleep while he was waiting for God to come so that they can continue because he had already killed the animals God told him, splitted them, created the blood path and everything. Now, a deep sleep fell on Abraham and the Bible said that there were, the, 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 you know, birds came, birds came to, you know, eat the carcasses of the, of, the, of the animals, but Abraham drove them away. But a deep sleep fell on Abraham. Now, do you know why God had to let Abraham, you know, God, a deep sleep fell on Abraham because there is no way Abraham could enter a covenant with God and keep the promises of the covenant. So God was going to do something here. So a deep sleep fell on Abraham and the Bible says that there was a, 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 a smoke, a smoke came and passed through the blood and what also ensued was that a light or some versions of the bible talks about a fire also came through the blood path now that was signifying that there is no way abraham could enter a covenant with god so the covenant between abraham was actually entered on jesus christ had to intervene and enter the covenant on behalf of abraham let me say that again so abraham didn't God didn't pass through the blood path. Abraham didn't pass through the blood path. All what happened, according to the scriptures, is that there was a smoke of fire that passed through the blood path, signifying the path of God. So God played his role and then there was also a burning light that passed through the blood path, signifying Jesus Christ. So Abraham rose from sleep and all he saw was the smoke and, 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 and the light passing through the blood path. Now that was signifying, that was a type of the new covenant that God was going to have with man. So Abraham could not, didn't do what he was supposed to do to enter the covenant with God but rather Jesus Christ who is the light because the Bible called Jesus Christ the light Jesus Christ is the light Jesus Christ is the lamp and so Jesus Christ performed the role of Abraham in his stead so the covenant was actually between God and and Jesus Christ the Abrahamic covenant was actually between God and Jesus Christ so abraham now became a beneficiary of the covenant it wasn't abraham who entered into the covenant with god it was jesus who played that role on his behalf so that was a photocopy that was a typology of the new covenant so the question now is we said the abrahamic covenant is the new covenant upgraded the new covenant extended so the question now is in the new testament do believers have a covenant with god do believers have a covenant with god do believers have a covenant with god in the new testament do believers have a covenant with god as sons of god that is the question because you know you hear people say that they have a covenant with god some will even tell you to sow a seed of covenant you know these are terms that i use but i personally think there must be a thorough you know understanding in this area because 
people have not really understood that very well. Nobody has a covenant with God. The covenant was between Jesus Christ and God on, the, on behalf of Abraham. In the New Testament, the covenant was between God and Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus Christ went to die on the cross. You didn't enter a covenant with God because you are fallible. You can't even keep the terms of the covenant. And in a covenant, when you break the terms, you must die. So Jesus is the one who entered into a covenant with God. Jesus entered into a covenant with God. So in the New Testament, Jesus is the one that entered into a covenant with God on behalf of man. Praise God. So the question now is, is the believer as a son of God in a covenant with God? Now, let me give you this illustration. When two people enter into a marital covenant and they give birth to children do the children are the children in a covenant with their parents or they are beneficiaries of the covenant between the two parties so when two people enter into a marital covenant the 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 the, the fruits or what comes out of the covenant is that the children become a, they become the beneficiaries of the covenant those two parties entered so in other words you, you don't have a covenant with your mom let me ask you this question which of us have a covenant with our parents because they entered into marital covenant what we have with our parents is a relationship we have a relationship with our parents that is why when we, we we need something we go to them because we know that we have that kind of relationship with them and they can be able to provide everything that we ask for so children are beneficiaries of a covenant between their parents they are not in covenant with their parents in the same way the born again is not in covenant with god the born again is not in covenant with god jesus is in a covenant relationship with god on our behalf so whatever we were supposed to do jesus did it on our behalf just like jesus took the place of abraham in the abrahamic covenant abraham didn't have a covenant with god the covenant was actually between jesus christ and god so the believer is in a relationship praise god the believer is in a relationship with god the believer has no covenant with god and you know i know that this this would take time because most people have been indoctrinated most people have been taught most people think that they have a covenant with god most people think that you know but when you understand this it will change your perception about god so you don't try to do things by works you don't try to please god so people think they are in a covenant with god so they try to please god by their works they try to please god by their actions they try to please god by their self-effort and self-righteousness but listen nobody is in a covenant with god jesus is in the covenant with god in fact the covenant is between god and god the bible calls jesus the man christ jesus so the covenant is between jesus christ and god and we are the beneficiaries of the covenant and we being the beneficiaries of the covenant it gives us access to have a relationship with God as sons of God so you are not a son because you have a covenant with God you know all these covenant terms and let's understand them properly let's understand them properly God is a covenant keeping God just like Eno was saying but he's not a covenant keeping God as in you have a covenant with him 
you cannot have a covenant with God because number one, you cannot keep the terms. If you don't believe, ask Moses. Moses will tell you, you cannot keep the terms in the covenant. The people of Israel couldn't keep the terms of the covenant. So God had to have a way of having a covenant with man. And that covenant, he had it with Jesus Christ and we become beneficiaries. So that we understand that we are in a relationship with God as sons of God. Praise God. So we are in a relationship. Now, the new, I'm going to show you a scripture right now that will make you understand that you, in fact, the, the new covenant was prophesied by, by, by uh, the Old Testament prophets. So in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, this was when uh, the, the, the writer was. I mean, quoting from the Old Testament. Now, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. Let me start from verse eight, 7. He said, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. So he's talking about the Mosaic covenant. So if that one was faultless, then there would no need for there to be a second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, listen, he's talking about the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day. Listen, I, I'm not doing this covenant according to the covenant I made with their fathers in that day. Where? When I took them by hand, to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant. So the children of Israel couldn't continue in the covenant God had with them. Praise God. This is good. Then he said, I regarded them not, saith the Lord. But listen to verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Seeth the Lord. I will put my... Now, I want you to take notice of the words. Now, he's saying he's going to use I, I, I. I want you to know that you and God don't have a covenant. It is, it is in the scriptures. I'm not the one saying it. You don't have any covenant with God. So from today, stop saying I have a covenant with God. You see, you meet some people, they'll tell you, oh, I have, a, I, have a, I have a financial covenant with God. I mean, I'm not saying don't sow seed to God, but you shouldn't have it in mind that you have a financial covenant with God. That's why you are sowing. You are sowing because out of the blessings that God has given you, you want to be a blessing to the kingdom, to bless the service of God. However, you and God don't have a covenant. Now, verse 10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days say the lord now he said this is the covenant that i i will make with the house he said i will put my laws into their heart i he's still using i i will be to them a god and they shall be to me a people and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest praise god so he's telling us that in the in the new in the new covenant there are two things that are going to be common he said for he said for i'll put my loss in their heart and they shall know me all shall know me from the least to the greatest it's talking about inward knowledge nobody he said in the new covenant everybody shall know me Praise God. So you must know God. There is some kind of knowledge. The inward, the intuition. There is some kind of intuitive knowledge. He said, all shall know me. All shall know me. So you and God are not in a covenant. You and God are not in a covenant. You and God are in a relationship. 
that is why jesus depicted that in the story of the prodigal son he was talking about fellowship he was talking about relationship he was talking about fellowship he was talking about relationship praise god yes michael said i'm in an everlasting relationship with my god now he called he said i will make a new covenant with the house of israel now to israel it was a new covenant because they had they had the old covenant with god now he's making a new covenant with them but to us it is the everlasting covenant praise god the bible says for the blood of the everlasting covenant everlasting everlasting covenant because there is no new covenant that is going to come again ever everlasting covenant so the believer is actually in a relationship with god as a son of god you and god are in a relationship you and god don't have a covenant so i understand the phrase god is a covenant keeping god yes in the sense that he he commits himself to whatever he says whatever god has said he's not going to break it that is what makes him a covenant keeping god but the question is is man also a covenant keeping man can man keep the terms of a covenant he said for finding fault with them god they, they, he found fault with them because they couldn't keep the terms of the covenant so let this thing change our let, let this thing change our way of seeing things let this thing change our 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 way of relating with god when you understand that you and god are in a relationship it will change your perception about him that is why we cry abba father because we are beneficiaries of the covenant between god and abraham between jesus christ and god praise god so that is what it actually means it actually means that we are beneficiaries we benefit from the covenant between God and Jesus Christ. So the New Testament or the New Covenant was actually happened in Matthew chapter 26 verse 28. Where the Bible said at the night, Jesus Christ, when he was... Let me read that scripture, Matthew 26, 28. Matthew 26, 28. Matthew 26, 28. This is good you have to understand this matthew 26 he said for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins so this was the first time jesus mentioned the new testament he said this is my blood of the new testament which means that without until jesus shed his blood there was no new testament and the testament or the covenant was not between you and god praise god so I want you to understand this, begin to let people know, let people know that, hey, you don't have a covenant with God, rather we are beneficiaries of the covenant. We are beneficiaries of the covenant. We enjoy the provisions of the covenant. All what God has done, all what he's saying is that you enjoy. It, you, you, you don't have any terms to play. You don't have any, because when your mom and your dad came into marital covenant and they married, you were not even there, first of all all you need to do it is your responsibility to ask your dad to give you your tuition fee it is your responsibility or you are entitled to that because it's a relationship that you have with him you are not in a covenant with him when you wake up and you are expected to wash the dishes you wake up you are expected to wash the dishes if you are not doing it your dad is going to ask your mom why is he not doing it because you and your father don't have a covenant you and your father have a relationship your mom and your dad are in a covenant praise god i pray that this will change you know this will change our my, our understanding about how god relates with us so sons of god 
are in a relationship with God. It's about relationship. Christianity is a relationship. Christianity is a relationship we have with God. Christianity is a way of, you know, living with a father who loves us. So the reason why you don't have a covenant with God, so you don't keep in mind that there are certain terms that you have to fulfill. So you don't keep in mind that there are certain things that you have to do to please God. Because the moment you say you are in a covenant with God, then you have to find every means to please God so that you don't break the terms of the covenant. And that is what is going on because when people are taught they are in a covenant with God, then they have to find things. They have to, you know, they, they have to do something to please God. And that is what happened when the Bible said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. He wasn't talking about their personalities. He was talking about their, the principles that both of them followed. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. He was not talking about their personalities. He was talking about the principles. He was talking about the principle because one of them was, was a depiction of works and self-righteousness. The other was also a depiction of the relying on the grace of God. So the same animal that Esau went to the bush to look for was in the house. Jacob was just resting and his mom was just preparing the food for him. So he was just in the rest. He was in the rest of the finished work. The, go, the animal, you know, so the guy had to go to the bush and struggle and look for what, what was already in the house. That depicts the, 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 the works and, you know, the effort of man. So it wasn't their, their personalities, but the principles. The principles that both of them held. Praise God. So the guy had to go and struggle. The same way Cain and Abel. You know, when we were young, we were told that because of Cain's, uh, the reason why God rejected his offering was because he brought, you know, rotten tomatoes and all that. There is nothing like that in the scriptures. But rather the principles that both of them held. Cain was somebody who had to go and you know till the land and God had already cursed the land we said that last month we said God didn't curse Adam God cursed the land he said curse is the ground for thy sake so God cursed the land for Adam's sake and then Cain had to go and till the land which represents self-work self-righteousness but Abel rather came with a lamp he didn't have to go and work for anything because the land was already cursed he had to come with something that was already there representing the reliance on the finished work of Christ so that was the two principles that this man held on so the moment you say you are in a covenant with God then it means that you have to you know please God with human effort you have to you have to you have to be like Cain you know you have to you have to do something to please God but listen the work that God has done you had no contribution in that work that is why your ability to be a son even you got, you had no role to play in it all you needed to do was to believe in what christ has done all you needed to do was to believe in the finished work so cain represented works abel represented rest because abel was resting he was resting he was resting and he just came with a lamp representing his reliance on the finished work of jesus christ because Jesus was the lamp of God that would take away the sins of the world. So, if you are joining us now, we are talking about covenant and relationship. Do you have a covenant with God?
do you have a covenant with God? You hear people say, we have a covenant with God. Are we in a covenant with God as sons of God? Are we in a covenant with God as sons of God? We have a relationship. We are in a relationship with God. That is why we call him Abba, Father. That is why we call God Father. Because we are beneficiaries of the covenant. The covenant was between Jesus and God. Jesus took our place. So he fulfilled the terms of the covenant. That is why in Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible says that for by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. So that offering of Jesus Christ was the seal of everything. So you don't have to be in a covenant again with God. Because you can't keep the terms. You don't have the will without to be in a covenant. You cannot keep the terms. Because the people of the old covenant failed in the covenant they had with God. So the New Testament is not breakable because the testament is not between God and man. It's between God and Jesus. Praise God. So you are beneficiaries of the covenant. As a son of God, you are in a relationship with God. As a son of God, you don't have a covenant with God. You don't have... I know this... You know, I was indoctrinated about this. I believed it until I found the truth in God's word. You know, I thought you could, you could just say, you know, they are just jargons we use. I am I'm going to have a covenant with God. And for this thing, Lord, I'm not going to do it again. I enter into a covenant with you. With who? With God? No. Because we want to, you know, please our conscience. Sometimes we want to please our conscience. Sometimes we want to feel good. So we just say, oh, we want to enter into a covenant with God. We don't even know what we are saying. The covenant was entered with Jesus and God. We are beneficiaries of the covenant. So, the question then is, what does the believer have with God? The believer who is a son of God has a relationship with God. You have a relationship with God. That's why the Bible says in Romans 5, it said being born again, it said being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. That peace there is not peace as in calmness, but peace as in union. We are in union with God because of Jesus Christ. We are sons of God and we have a relationship with God. We are in union with the Father. Praise God. So, I am just saying this to let you understand that we need to renew our mind with the word of God. You know, no matter the age of a lie, it doesn't make it the truth. No matter the age of a lie, it doesn't make it the truth. Somebody will say, oh, but this is what they taught me. This is what, this is what everybody is saying. The fact that everybody is saying it doesn't make it true. We must read the scriptures and we must know the truth for ourselves. So that is very, very important. Bless you, everybody, for joining me. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you for joining. God bless you. So the believer is in a relationship. You are in a relationship with God. You are in a relationship with God. That is why even when, when, when you sin, when you are a believer and you sin, because, because, now listen, if you are in a covenant and you break the covenant, you have to die. That is it. You have to die. But you know, because you are in a relationship with God and you are a beneficiary of the covenant between Abraham, between God and Jesus Christ. That is why when you sin, you know that your sins have been forgiven because of that relationship that because you are a beneficiary of what Jesus Christ has done. So all what you are doing is you are enjoying. 
praise God, you are enjoying. You are enjoying the benefit. You are enjoying the benefit. Like Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. He said he has blessed us with all spiritual blessing. And we said the word blessing means that well spoken of us with benefit and with bounty. So out of his bountifulness, he spoke well of us. Praise God. He spoke well of us. Yes. Edmund said no matter the age of a lie, it doesn't make it the truth. Yes. So that is very, very important. So now don't let anybody tell you that you need to sow a covenant seed. There is nothing like covenant seed. There is not, if you are sowing a seed, sow a seed. If you are sowing a seed, sow a seed. But there is nothing like covenant seed. Covenant with who? God has already entered a covenant with Jesus. You don't have the, the power to enter a covenant. You don't have the, the, the power to enter a covenant. All you do is you enjoy the benefit. All you do is you enjoy the benefit. All you do is to enjoy the benefit. So as a son, you are entitled to the relationship. You know why the curtains in the temple tore into two? The mystery of the curtain, my goodness. The curtain tore into two because, you know, in those days there was a blockage. Nobody could see into the Holy of Holies representing the presence of God. But the curtain in the temple had to, I mean, divide into two because now there was going to be an access so in christianity there is equal access before god nobody knows god more than you the only difference is that their level of growth and understanding but nobody has equal rights and access to god before you and these are things that we must know as children of god nobody has equal access nobody prays to god and god hears faster than you you know, most of the time, believers feel very intimidated because we are not even taught. No, no, nobody has more power than his prayers. God answers his prayers faster than you. You have the power in you. The reason is that you have not come to a place of acknowledging what God has wrote in you. The same blood that saved the person that is, you know, you think has more access to God than you is the same blood that saved you. The blood of Jesus. There is no different blood that saved anybody. We are all saved with the same blood. And we all have equal access as sons of God. Praise God. So it is very, very important that we understand that you are in a relationship. You are in a father-son relationship. You know, you are in a father-son relationship. And you know, people even find it hard to to understand that their sins are forgiven people you see believers who struggle to you know find scriptures to defend that they have to you know confess their sins for god to forgive them you know you see believers who try to find scriptures to you know you know and let me say this if you want everything that you need a scripture in the bible you will get it so people try to fish scriptures out of the bible to you know defend whatever they are doing but hey the bible was not written for that apostle paul gave us the the reason why the the, the bible was written in second timothy 3 16. he said for for doctrine and we said the word doctrine is teaching or learning not rules and regulations then he said for correction which means that your mindset has to be reset you have to reset your mind the way you used to think about certain things like covenant you reset your mind with the word of god then he said for instruction in righteousness now he said that the believer must be instructed in righteousness because that will enhance his spiritual growth then instruction in righteousness and for reproof which is the evidence so that is the purpose of the scriptures so nobody should tell you that you don't have access to god you have equal access to god 
you have equal access to God. You have equal access to God. You have equal access. Just as every to God. Just as every man of God has access to God, you have equal access to God because you have entered into sonship. Praise God. You have entered into sonship. The only difference is that there are certain sons who are maturing. There are some, some of the, some certain sons who are growing because their level of understanding, they are growing in their level of understanding. They are growing in their knowledge about the things of Christ. That is what makes the difference. But the difference is not because of who the person is, that the person has direct access than you. We have equal access. That is why the curtain has to tell, tell into two. Representing equal access. So you and God are not in a covenant. Let me put that again. You don't have a covenant with God. Jesus had a covenant with God. You have been called to enjoy as a beneficiary. You have been called to enjoy. Now, when you work in a company and the company has benefits. Now, you don't work for benefits. In the same way, you don't work for inheritance. So when the Bible says that he has given us inheritance incorruptible, you don't work for inheritance. The moment you work for inheritance, it ceases to be inheritance because you have to inherit. The word inherit means that you are inheriting. The word inherit means that you did nothing to qualify for that. You are just there to enjoy. And that is how it works. When you go for your end of year benefit, it is not something you work for. It is something that is already there that is for you to enjoy. Praise God. It is something that is there for you to enjoy. The moment you qualify for it, it ceases to be a benefit. And so, as a son of God, you must know. Bless you. Bless you, Ima. Bless you, Minister Imano. Bless you, Michael. Bless you. Bless you, everybody, for watching. The Lord bless you. So, covenant versus sonship. Covenant versus relationship. Covenant versus relationship. You have a relationship. I have a relationship. So the Bible, you know, when, when you understand this, it will it will free you from a lot of things. The Bible says, stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has set you free. And be not be entangled with yoke of bondage. What is the yoke of bondage? Things that, you know, put believers in a position where they they it, it robs them of their identity in Christ. That is the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage is, is, is when you don't know your, your rights, you don't know your privileges as a son of God. You don't know you are you, you have you are a beneficiary of the of the finished work of Christ. That is yoke of bondage. But the moment you come into terms and you come into agreement with what Christ has done, you see that oh you didn't do anything to deserve it. So you don't do anything to maintain it. So I keep telling people that in Christianity, we don't have maintenance tools. It is God who saved us. And it is he who does the maintenance. And you know, when you say this, people say, hey, you are giving people the lenses to sin. No. People started sinning before I was even born. So this cannot be a license. This is actually telling the person who he is in Christ. Because people don't need license to sin. People don't need license to sin. People started sinning before we were born. Praise God. So, covenant is a term that I think that has to be used with understanding. Covenant keeping God is, God is a covenant keeping God, not in the sense of you having a covenant with him. God is a covenant keeping God because he sticks to what he has done with Christ Jesus. 
praise God. He's a covenant-keeping God because he's not going to break what he has done. That is what makes him a covenant-keeping God. But he's not a covenant-keeping God in the sense of me having a covenant with him. Me having a covenant with him is Christ on my, in my stead. Instead of me, Christ took my position and he had that covenant with, with God. So that is very, very important. That is very, very important. So when you understand covenant, you understand, uh, when you understand relationship and covenant, you understand the, the, the forgiveness of sins. You understand that when, when you even sin against God, there is still room for you. God does not, you know, you know, when we were young, we were taught that when, when you sin against God, God had to, God had a pen and a pencil and a book in heaven that when you sin, he just crosses your name. And God keeps crossing and crossing and crossing. And I always ask, won't God get tired? Because if every day people are sinning and God keeps crossing their names, you know, all these are born out of ignorance, you know. But when you study the word of God, you come to a place of understanding what Christ has done on our behalf. That is what is called the substitutionary work of Christ. The substitution. Abraham didn't enter the covenant. Abraham didn't enter the covenant with God. Jesus did with God on his behalf. So Abraham woke up and the covenant was already done. And he had to enjoy it. And then God told him to, you know, circumcise everyone in his house as a seal of that covenant. And Abraham was just enjoying the covenant. And that covenant extended to the new covenant. And Christ came once again on our behalf. You know, the old covenant was not the actual plan of God. Let me say that again. God never intended for the old covenant because the old covenant was added. The Bible says for the law was added. And when you say something is an addition, which means it wasn't the original. So the law was, an it was added. The law was added. So the actual plan of God was the new covenant. The, the actual plan of God was the covenant between himself for man to be a beneficiary but the law came in because the people of israel were you know telling they, they told moses that they needed a mediator they told moses they told god they needed a mediator and that was when the old covenant came in so god had to give them a set of laws a set of rules a set of regulations and they still failed to obey those things you know so god had to come back so then the Bible will say in the book of Galatians that the old covenant, the new covenant is older than the old covenant because the old covenant, the new covenant was actually the plan of God, was actually the plan of God. So I believe this has blessed you. I believe this will free your mind from a lot of things and, and, and you will understand that you are not in a covenant with God. You are not in a covenant with God. You are not in a covenant with God. In fact, when we read from Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10, he said, I, I, everything was on God. I, 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 I. And when you read the old covenant, he will tell you, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. When you read Deuteronomy 28, he was telling them, you shall do this, you shall do this, you shall do this. Because they 
thought they could fulfill the terms of the covenant and god said okay if you can then i'm giving it to you do it if you don't do this you will die if you do this this will happen to you if you don't do this this is happening to you but in this new covenant we don't have do's and don'ts all we have to do is to believe you know the people of the pharisees went to jesus and asked him what must we do to do the works of god and you know the answer jesus gave to them he said to do the works of god is to believe praise god to do the works of god is to believe so when you believe you have done the works of god the works of god for you is to believe is to believe to believe in what the finished work the finished work when you believe in the finished work you have believed in the work of god praise god so it is very very important that we we understand that you and god are not in a covenant you and god are not in a covenant as a son of god you have relationship with god and i'm going to talk about levels of maturity even as sons you know because we said you become a son by new birth you become a son by new birth but when you study the scriptures you realize that the apostles use different words they use different words that's why we said no word means the same when you see son in in romans and you see son in hebrews doesn't mean son in romans is the same as son in hebrews they may be the same word but different description in the word that was used for example when the bible says in first timothy chapter 4 verse 1 he said in the last days some shall depart from the faith giving he said in the last in the latter day some shall depart from the faith now you see the word faith there well you may think that is the same faith like being used in hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 like faith is a substance of things not seen you know so it is the context that actually defines the word that is used so the faith there in first timothy 4 1 was talking about christianity because christianity in itself is a faith life so when he says some shall defy from the faith, he's talking about some shall depart from Christianity. Then he's now going to explain. He said the departing is that they will give heed to seducing spirit and false doctrine. So people will, people will not be able to hear the right doctrine of the finished work of Christ. They are departing from Christianity. They are departing from the message or the message. So words used in the Bible actually derive their meanings from the context, from the context. Like I said yesterday that in Matthew 24, when Jesus Christ said, they that endure to the end shall be saved. When you see saved there, does not necessarily mean save, save, salvation from sin. Apostle Paul prayed a prayer. He said, pray for us. He said, we believe that through your prayer and your 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 he said through your prayers and your petition we shall be saved you know now you have to know that prayers don't save a man from sin so the word save that he used is not referring to salvation from sin he was referring to salvation from wicked men praise god so we are going to look at words like that for example the bible says that uh, as many as are led by god are the sons of god the word sons there we will take is a, is a level of maturity in sonship then he will say in first john 2 2 he said my little children i write unto you that you may not sin so we look at all those words the levels of maturity then first peter 2 2 peter also said as newborn babes 
desire the sincere mock of the word. When, when uh, Paul also wrote to Timothy, he said, from a child, you have known the Holy... So all these are words that we need to look at. They are levels, you know, because the only... What, what differentiates one son from the other is their level of growth and understanding in the things of God. And we understood yesterday that maturity does not talk about the age of a person. Maturity actually talks about your knowledge about the finished work of Christ, your knowledge about salvation, your understanding, the growth of your understanding relating to the things of God. That is what defines your spiritual growth. And so yesterday we said that the miracles don't grow you. Miracles don't grow you. Miracles are a testimony of Jesus' ministry testifying how he healed people how he he related with people and all that but your true growth actually relies in your knowledge about the work that christ came to do your knowledge about salvation you know your knowledge about salvation your knowledge about salvation that is why it is very very important that you don't let anybody belittle the subject of salvation to think that it's for new babies for new converts no it's not for new converts that is the message that is the message that we have been jesus said in luke chapter 22 verse 24 when after his resurrection after he resurrected that he met two of his disciples they were confused about the death of jesus christ they were arguing whether they, uh, why could they have even killed jesus and all that and the bible said he called them fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet have spoken now take note he said he called them fools now the word fools wasn't an insult but rather jesus was telling them that they should have known better because all the prophets from genesis to malachi were talking about this thing this resurrection thing my death my barrier so he called them fools and slow of heart slow of heart because they they they, they couldn't understand all that the prophet has spoken then he said ought not christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and then the bible said beginning at moses and all the scriptures now listen he began at moses referring to genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy and he went through all the prophets jonah you know uh, ezekiel isaiah nehemiah obadiah he went through all the books of the prophet and the psalms and bible said he expounded unto them the word expound means that he gave them interpretation he explained unto them the things concerning himself praise god so jesus taught us how to do bible studies jesus taught us how to do bible studies bible studies is actually he said he began from moses and all the prophets and he gave them explanation the things concerning himself so true bible studies is on the platform of christ true bible studies is on the platform of the finished work of christ he gave them interpretation concerning himself that means that jesus didn't talk about everything in the bible because there were essentials, there were non-essentials, there were images, there were metaphors, there were all kinds of, you know, symbols. But he spoke about the things concerning himself because he is the relevance. He makes the script, he gives relevance to the scriptures. He gives relevance to the scriptures. He is the, he's the identity of the scriptures. He is the content, he is the paragraph, he is the everything. He is the content, he is the syllabus, he is the paragraph. You know, he the description, the prescription of the scriptures. So he gave them Bible interpretation. He taught us how to do Bible studies. Praise God. 
so it is very important that we come to a place of appreciating what christ came to do what christ came to do as a son of god christ came to do bless you minister stephen bless you so much we have to appreciate what christ came to do what christ came to do what christ came to do we enjoy out of his bounty he said blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us the blessing has already taken place where in eternity before time and we said bless us he spoke well of us with benefits he spoke well of us before we were even born with all spiritual blessings spiritual blessings spiritual spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in christ jesus he spoke well of us with all spiritual blessings. You know, I used to think that the spiritual blessings, you convert them to the physical until I understood the book of Ephesians 1 very well. Because the blessings were in the same Ephesians 1. After he said he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, he went ahead to list all the blessings. So it's not like the blessings that you convert them to the physical. They are blessings that are physical. But this blessing in Ephesians 1, contextually, are spiritual now the word spiritual is from the word pneumaticos and it means supernatural it means you know it's it, it beyond the natural and he lists the blessings and he said that he has he has he, he has blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in christ so these blessings are only enjoyable or are enjoyed by those in christ because the blessings are in christ then he said who, who has you know he has accepted us in the beloved he has predestinated us to be to the adoption of sons this is the blessing so being a son of god is the spiritual blessing the bible was talking about but you know if we don't come to terms with this you may be living your life and you feel unblessed you feel like god hasn't blessed you you feel like god hasn't done anything for you god hasn't done anything for you but you know this God hasn't done anything for you because you feel like you are not blessed because you know people think the blessing of God is 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 it, it only refers to tangible things by Christianity Paul said that he said he said uh, Christianity is 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 he said woe unto us if all that we hope for is in this world our hope is beyond this world our hope is beyond this world that is why the bible will use words like incorruptible we have incorruptible inheritance our inheritance is incorruptible so mostly when he's talking about the blessing he's talking about things that are not in the material realm things he said blessed he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places he said in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin that is the blessing your sins are forgiven is a blessing you don't need you know you don't you have to appreciate that your sins are forgiven and then there you will know that you have a relationship with god you are not in a covenant with god so your sins are forgiven your sins are forgiven as a son of god so who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in christ jesus in the heavenlies now he even uses heavenlies the word heavenlies means immaterial realm immaterial realm spiritual blessings which are in the heavenlies now one of the blessings is that he said we are seated with him ephesians chapter 2 he said he raised us up to sit together with him in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers that is your position as a son of god 
you are sitting together in the heavens with Christ Jesus. Physically, you may be located in a very small village, but your position in the realm of the spirit, my goodness, your position in the realm of the spirit, you are seated together with Christ in the heavens, far above all principalities and powers. These are realities we need to accept as sons of God. These are realities. Your position is beyond your physical geographical location now. Your position in the realm of the spirit is beyond where you are located right now. Men may see you and despise you. Men may see you and, and think, you know, you, 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 you are a nobody. But your true identity, that is why I say when believers don't see their identity in Christ, you know, you will, people, people will always make you feel bad. People will make you feel bad. You know, because your, your true identity is a reflection of Jesus Christ. Your true identity. In other words, Jesus Christ is your identity. Jesus Christ is your identity. Jesus is your destiny. No believer is disadvantaged in life. Jesus is your destiny. The reason why I say Jesus is your destiny is because you are, you are the Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. So you were born not of corruptible seed. Your seed is incorruptible. The, your, the seed that gave birth to you is the seed that gave birth to Jesus Christ from the resurrection. So as a son of God, you are born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word so your genes have changed and now your destiny is the destiny of jesus christ because jesus is your destiny praise god so that is very 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 important that we come to agreement with some of these realities you know whether people don't agree whether people don't agree or they agree it doesn't change the reality of god's word whether you are in a covenant with god or whether you are in a relationship with god what god is saying is the final authority what god's word says is the final authority in other words the scriptures is the yardstick or the measuring rod of the believer you know you don't measure anything by dreams and interpretations we build convictions from the word of god our convictions are not built on human opinion our convictions are built from the scriptures from the scriptures so that is very very important that we appreciate the fact that we are in a relationship oh we are in a relationship what kind of relationship is this what a loving father we have you know the bible says in romans chapter 5 verse 6 he said for while we were yet sinners in due time christ died for the ungodly the word ungodly means wicked the word ungodly means criminals that was our previous position that was who we were before now we were criminals who were supposed to die we were supposed to die a very, you know, but the love of God, 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 the love of God. Then Apostle Paul talked about that in Ephesians chapter 3. He said that we may know the length, the breadth, the width, and the height of the love of God. That means that the love of God, you know, has height. You know, in the Old Testament, when they were building the, 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 the tabernacle, there were dimensions. 
God gave them specific dimensions. For example, when they, they go to maybe the, the altar of burning incense, God will give them dimensions. This should be six feet. This should be this long, the breadth to this. All was talking and Apostle Paul caught the revelation and he wrote in Ephesians 3. He said that we may understand the love of God. Bless you, man of God. Amen. God bless you so much for joining. The Lord bless you for joining. Wesley, bless you, bless you, bless you bless you so the love of god the love of god the dimensions the, the dimensions of god's love that is who we are that is who we are hey the days of ignorance are over these are not the days of elijah like i was saying yesterday these are not the days of elijah no these are the days of the sons of god these are the days of the sons of god these are the days of the manifestation of god's sons the days of elijah are over do you know that even when elijah most of the things that we are open to in the new testament today most of the old testament folks they had no idea about the Bible says that they prophesied of the grace that should come. They were prophesying about this thing, this era, this, this, this relationship we have with God. So when Jesus came in the Gospels, the Bible said that the disciples went to him and they wanted to have a crusade in a place and they were denied. So they went to Jesus and they said, Master, should we call down fire to consume the people just as Elijah did? You know, they quoted from the Old Testament, Elijah. They quoted from the book of Cain. You know, I'm saying this to show you that not everything that somebody says from the word of God is, you know. So Jesus clearly taught them. He said, they, they, they quoted as Elijah did. And you know the answer Jesus gave to them? He said, you know not what kind of spirit you are of. You know not what kind of spirit. What he was telling them was that, in other words, Elijah had a different spirit. But you guys don't know the kind of spirit you have. You don't have the spirit of Elijah. Hallelujah. You don't have the spirit of Elijah. In fact, you don't have the double portion of Elisha. In, in this era, we have all the portions. Because crisis, we have every portion. You don't have, we go beyond double portion. We have all the portions. Christ is our portion. Praise God. So that is very important. Contextual reading will help. When we read the Bible in context, that will also help a lot. Because most of the times, when you pick a particular verse and you read, then you may you may you may end up being in an being in error. For example, the Bible says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Now listen very well. I can do all things. Now you see believers saying, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." They mean all things, not understanding the context of that scripture. Because all things, go and take somebody's wife, they will call police for you right now. Go and take drive somebody's car, they will call police for you. So you can do all things. So the all things must be seen in the context. Paul was talking about he knows how to be how to obey to be abased and how to abound. He knows so when you read that context he was talking about something he was talking about something then after talking about that thing then he's saying i can do all things referring to those things he had already mentioned so context helps a lot context helps a lot for another example is 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 that uh all things work together for good for them that love God. All things work together. You know, these are scriptures that I'm pointing out because they must be read in context. All things work together for good. You know, we say it because we are saying it, we believe that everything 
is, is I mean, is going to end war, which is true. But not all things work together. Not all things. Because when he made that point, after that, he mentioned the all things. He said, being predestinated, we conform to the image of his son. He mentioned all those things that work together for good. So contextual reading is very important. Context. We must read in, in context to get a clear understanding of what the scriptures actually say. And that is very, very, very important. That is very, very important. So you and God are in a relationship. You are in a father-son relationship. You are in a father-son relationship. You are in a father-son relationship. That is why you have confidence. The Bible says, let us come with, with he said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain boldness. So we have boldness and we find grace because you are a son. And if you don't know your position as a son, people will, will rob you. Things that you are entitled to, the devil will, will use certain, you know, to just rob you. But you must come to a place of acknowledging, acknowledging what has been done, what has been done what has been done you are a son of god but you need to mature in your sonship you need to grow in your sonship you need to grow in your sonship so tomorrow we are going to look at scriptures like that where the bible said as many as are led by the spirit they are the sons of god the the writer paul used a different word for the sons of god there he used a different word referring to maturity that is the highest maturity the son of god can get to you know then paul also told timothy said from a child you have known the holy scriptures he used the word child there he used a different description for that so we will take time seven of them god willing tomorrow we will take time and, and look at that and then we will we will we want to grow we want to grow I want to grow you want to grow that should be our focus you want to grow spiritually you want to grow spiritually because God's God's aim is for us to grow God's aim is for us to grow God's aim is for us to grow God's goal is that's why Ephesians 4 say that so we come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and to the stature which means that there is a standard God wants us to get there he wants us to get to that level where we have grown to the stature of Christ. That is God's goal for us. And that is what sonship does. It places us in a place of maturity. We grow spiritually. Things that we didn't understand before. We understand them and 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 we 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 get more insight into those things we didn't understand before. That is that is maturity. We grow. Paul said, When I was a child. I thought like a child. Now he used a different word for that word. That is a level. The level where you are, you talk like because you talk because of what you know. He said, I talk like a child, I spoke like a child, and all that. But when he started growing, he began to understand certain things. That is maturity. And then first John will also write, My little children. Then he will, he will write to other people, fathers. You know, so. I believe that that will be a blessing unto you. That will be a blessing unto you. So finally, are you in a covenant or you are in a relationship with God? Let me hear your answer. Are you in a covenant or you are in a relationship with God? Are you in a covenant or you are in a relationship with God? Are you in a covenant or you are in a relationship with God? Are you in a covenant or you are in a relationship? 
let me hear from you let me hear from you are you in a covenant or you are in a relationship are you in a covenant you know i, I have even heard people say they've made you know like we read from the book of job i've made a covenant with my eyes so i've seen people say they have a covenant they've made a covenant with their eyes and all that you know all these are are things that we say to make us feel good you know we say that to make us feel happy but in actual fact we are in a relationship the father-son relationship and that relationship is 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 on the premise of god's love on the premise of god's love on the premise of God's love. That is where when we even fall into error, God knows a way to, you know, correct us. God knows a way to deal with us. God doesn't delete our names. You know, like I was taught, our names will be deleted from the book of life. They will cancel your name. How many times will God cancel your name and then the day you are good and you are doing well, then he'll go back and write your name. This God will be tired. This God will be tired. But this God we are talking about is, 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 is a loving God. Is a loving God. Is a loving God. Is a loving God. He said, but there are contingencies to the terms of the agreement. Can you explain that, please? Contingencies are in the terms of the agreement <laughs> praise god yes so we are in a relationship we are in a relationship and the relationship that we have with god is based on the finished work of christ is based on the finished work of christ of course that is not to say that the believer must not do anything there are things you know that is why i recommend the book of ephesians because ephesians chapter 1 change a lot of things about me change my perception ephesians 1 2 and 3 talks about your position in christ then 4 5 and 6 talks about what how you have to conduct yourself as a believer so the father we are in a relationship doesn't mean of course when you are in a relationship with your father there are you you have rights you have responsibilities you have privileges there are things that god expects us to do that is works you understand but even with that works the bible says in ephesians 2 10 he said for we are his workmanship created in christ unto good works so we have been created so how god has made us is is such that the end result is that it will emanate into good works we are not trying to attain good works we have been created unto good works you know so that is that is very very important that is very important so on the day on the on the last day god is not going to open you know your 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 sins in heaven your works that will come out that is very important so when i would say i'm making a covenant with god but but about a certain matter and so a seed towards it there would be times that i would forget about the covenant it made yes yes that is true yes because you know when you say you are sowing a seed for example i'm not saying don't sow a seed don't sow a seed go ahead and sow a seed but i'm not uh, what I'm, my point is that you are not sowing a seed to be in a covenant with god no you are not sowing a seed to be in a covenant with god in fact the seed that you are sowing is for your own good it's not to it's not going to do god anything it's not the seed that is going to move God to do something. God already moved in Christ Jesus. But the seed you are sowing, you are sowing the seed out of the blessings that God has given you. 
so seed sowing is good i mean when you understand when you understand i mean the gospel you you understand giving 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 goes with the gospel however however it is not you know like there is a saying that uh faith moves god faith moves god we say that a lot that when you have faith you can move god no faith doesn't move god faith moves mountains the bible said that when you have a faith your, your seed is your faith is like a master seed you can move mountains faith moves mountains faith doesn't move god god already moved in christ it's not your faith that is going to move him so there is a difference between that your faith rather moves mountains your faith moves mountains bless you my friend bless you Zilonia, thank you so much for joining. So your faith rather moves mountains, you know. And and there are other instances where we've heard that you know, when uh, when when you worship God, it moves God. When you worship the prayer, you know, all these things must be understood very well. And one of the things that recently I was I was touching on is when you hear people say that you know worship leaders send children of God to the presence of God. No. No worship leader sends you to the presence of God. And I'm not saying this to belittle what they are doing. They are doing very well. But the, the truth of God's word is that no leader, no worship leader sends people of God to the presence of God. Jesus Christ entered the presence of God for us. So we have access by the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is not the worship that is sending us to the presence of God. We are already in his presence. Praise God. We are already in his presence. So that is what happens. That is what actually happens. So the, 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 your seed is actually out of the blessings that God has given you. You want to be a blessing. So when you have the seed and you say you are entering into a covenant, it means that you are telling God that because of this seed, he must automatically, you know, but he has done whatever he, he wants to do. That is not to say don't sow seed. You have to sow seed. You have to sow seed. Seed sowing is very good. Seed sowing is good to help. In the, You know, the money was what was used to close the mouth of the gospel. Bless you, my sister, Nana. Bless you so much. Bless you. So it is very, very important that it was money that was used to close the mouth of the gospel you know when jesus resurrected they, they they lied the people lied and said that the disciples had come and they they paid them money to say that they paid them money to lie that the disciples came to take the body of jesus christ and he didn't resurrect so it was money that was used they were trying to close the mouth of the gospel so it takes money to also you know spread the gospel it takes money to spread the gospel but my point i'm making is that you and god don't have a covenant rather let's understand it that the covenant we were supposed to have with god jesus took our place and had that covenant with god so we are in a relationship with god we are beneficiaries of the covenant we are beneficiaries of the covenant between god and jesus christ between god and jesus christ and that relationship gives us access to the father the relationship gives us access to the father the relationship gives us access to god that is all what we have been saying today so i believe you have been blessed i believe you have been blessed the lord bless you for joining i want you to share the video with somebody let them be a blessing you know let them be a blessing because some of these truths may take time because people have 
people have been taught you know so many things but we said the fact the age of a of a lie doesn't make it the truth the truth gradually is unfolding and the more people come to understand the truth and know the truth they begin to you know appreciate it so the covenant is actually between jesus christ and god just like the abrahamic covenant the covenant was between god and jesus christ abraham slept and slept and slept and slept when he woke up the terms had already been fulfilled he became a beneficiary so we said the abrahamic covenant is the old is the new covenant upgraded is the new covenant upgraded just like melchizedek was a type and a shadow of christ the abrahamic covenant was a type or a photocopy of the new covenant or the everlasting covenant so today you and i are in an everlasting covenant he said i i will put my laws in their heart i will be to them a god always on god i i i i i i i which means man has no terms to play man has no role to play all man needs to do is to believe and when you believe, you come to enjoy it. You come to enjoy. You come to enjoy. When you believe, you come to enjoy it. So the, the, the people came to Jesus Christ and they said to Jesus Christ, Jesus said to them, you are of your father the devil, for he's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Which means that the, the, the devil fathers people. He said you are of your father the devil which means the devil is a father of other people just as jesus is the father of sons the devil fathers people so he said you are of your father the devil why did he call them the father the devil as their father because they had decided to reject what jesus christ came to do even though they read it in their law they read it in the torah they read it everywhere about jesus christ but their hearts were hardened and they rejected what christ has brought to them so he called them the father their, their father is the devil i pray that this word will will bring clarity you know i pray that this word will you know mostly when people hear somebody talking about something instead of them following then they just pick a statement and then they start talking about it that why would you say that why would you say that but everything that i'm talking here i showed it to you from the scriptures the bible is loud on that the bible explains itself michael said the greatest seed sowed ever was when jesus christ died and was buried so the barrier of christ's body was everlasting seed sown on our behalf just as john 12 24 said jesus said that except i die and i resurrect there will not be fruit yes that is it so i'm going to end here today tomorrow you want to join and be part tomorrow it's going to be a blessing it's going to be a blessing the lord bless you i pray that this word will bring light i pray that this word will bring illumination i pray that this word will bring insight that every wrong perception we had about god every wrong perception we had as sons of god the bible says that for he he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god i declare that the righteousness realities will dawn on you and you will understand your place and your position as a son and you will live the victorious life in christ jesus from today i declare you're going out and you're coming in you'll be a terror to the kingdom of darkness anytime you stand to speak 
commotion will happen in the kingdom of darkness because when you speak the king is speaking and where the word of a king is there is power there is authority i declare that you will live the victorious life in christ jesus you will live the victorious life in christ jesus i declare protection over you you are protected by the forces of angels i declare that no weapon formed fashioned or dead against you shall prosper i command every form of bondage and liberty every limitation i declare you are free in jesus name and i command you to rise to your privilege and your right in christ and i declare that from today whatever god has said concerning you you will see the manifestation thereof I pray for somebody watching. May the finished work of Christ, may the finished work of Christ, may, may God give you light into what he has already done. I come against the spirit of self-righteousness, self-effort, pleasing God, trying to, you know, by your own effort, I declare a, a, a termination to that. And I pray that God will grant you insight. God will grant you revelation into his word. God will grant you understanding. The eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light in the name of jesus and i pray for you today that you are protected you are accepted in the beloved you are you are predestinated to be conformed to the image of god i command doors wherever you enter doors answers are coming to you i declare god will make you a a, 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 a fountain of solution to this world i prophesy over somebody watching me that the grace of god will be a shield and your buckler i declare i decree over your life that from today may god cause you to wallow in his finished work may you understand the realities of what jesus did for you from today i pray against every beggarly mind and every mind of you know uh, of 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 low settlement in the things of god and i pray in the name of jesus that you you have understanding you will have understanding in the name of jesus i prophesy whoever is watching even when the world is saying today that it is impossible i declare that you rise above you rise above every storm and every challenge you rise above every storm and every challenge you are accepted you are favored you are you are you are lifted in everything you do the favor of god is upon you the grace of god is upon you from today wherever you enter god has entered the place the presence your presence in a place is the disappearance of the forces of darkness i pray over you no no form of wickedness shall come near you when you speak the the, the, the forces of darkness will hear the voice of god because god has made you a voice god has made you a voice i prophesy finally to somebody watching everything that is happening around you everything that is happening around you may God empower you may God empower you may God empower you for the Bible says for they shall surely gather together not by me not by me not by you whatever has been the evil agenda of the enemy I come against uh, you know premature death i come against accident i come against bad news from today you only hear good news you will hear good news you will hear good news you will hear good news just as the resurrection of jesus brought good news i decree over your life that good news is what you will hear in the name of jesus i pray for answers 
I pray for answers. I pray God will make you, you know, a solution center. I pray God will give you insight. God will give you concept. God will give you ideas, business ideas. I decree they will spring forth in the name of Jesus. And I prophesy over somebody watching me that from today, from today, your knowledge about the things of God has risen to another level. Your eyes are opened. Your spirit man is open. Your ears are open in the name of Jesus. Above all, I decree over your life that you are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. You know, you know what that scripture actually means. He said you are accepted in the beloved. What it means is that he that is accepted in Christ is acceptable as Christ. Let me say that again. He that is accepted in the beloved is just acceptable as Christ. So just as God accepted Jesus Christ, you are accepted in the eyes of God. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Everybody bless you for, bless you for watching. I'm so excited, you know. I'm so happy you joined today. The Lord bless you. Just share the video. Share the video with somebody. Tomorrow, I'll come your way. The sonship, you know, sonship is, 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 God's, is, God's, is God's goal for us. Like I was saying yesterday, the aim of God is not just for us to make heaven. Because if, you know, most people think that heaven is an escape route. You know, if you want to escape hell, then you have to be born again. So you ask people, why are you saved? Oh, so that I'll go to heaven. No, that is not the main reason. In fact, heaven is a benefit in Christ. Because I said yesterday that the Bible said heaven and earth shall pass away. So if heaven is your main goal, when heaven and earth passes away, where will you be? But rather, when you are in Christ, heaven is a benefit. So don't be born again because you don't want to go to hell. You know, that is why how some people are preaching. So you don't want to go to hell, so be born again. You are born again to be in Christ and enjoy the benefit in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The Lord bless you and you are blessed. You are blessed. I'll see you guys tomorrow. You guys enjoy your day. Enjoy your night wherever you are. Stay safe and the grace of the Lord is with us all. Bless you all.